Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Good morning, Thrive Church. Woohoo! I'm back in the saddle. <laughs> All right. So glad to be here. So, uh, give you a few quick updates before we move on. So, I've been on vacation. So, we will be next Sunday. My wife and I, we we've been we've been asked by an organization called Christians United for Israel. They are flying us out. The church isn't paying for us. That organization is flying us out to basically sit in D.C. in a day of meetings um, on, on Monday, Sunday and Monday, to basically advocate for Israel and why we do so. Uh, and then Tuesday, they set up the meetings for about 15 minutes with our senators and our congresspeople of Illinois in D.C. and basically advocate for Israel for a few minutes. Um, and so we were like, this feels like an opportunity we shouldn't pass up. So Cliff and Cassie are going to be sharing uh, their stories from their book next week. And then the week after that, I'm here for the foreseeable future. You're going to deal with me for a real long time. Um, for those who have been praying for my dad, I really appreciate it. He's in the hospital. His blood pressure the other day was uh, extremely high. And they've gotten it way, way down. But then this morning they came in and said his kidney numbers are high. So just keep him in your prayer. They're going to keep holding on to him uh, for a little bit and keep, keep him under observation. That could be medicinal. It could be something else. So uh, he's been tested for a lot of things, and he's ready to go home. Um, and he's doing way better than he was. But uh, I appreciate your prayers. Thank you for everybody who reached out, texted. has just been praying for him. Thank you so much. Uh, we love them. Obviously, our coffee and food bar this morning is half of what it normally is. Uh, if you're newer to Thrive, it's basically old country buffet out there on a Sunday morning. Um, and so, so it's less than, I hope they're watching this morning. I don't know if they are, but um, thank you for all that. And lastly, this is the very final It Gets Better Though sermon. Yeah, so I don't know if you're excited or disappointed. And some of you are like, finally. And some of you are like, oh, no, it's the best ever. So um, uh, doesn't mean we don't still believe it. We're just moving on. So uh, in two weeks, I'm going to start a new series in Ephesians. And that is the name of the series, Ephesians. Just talking about what does that book mean? What does that book mean to us? How do we apply it to our lives? Uh, and you can never go wrong with just studying the Word of God, right? My wife and I, we got, we got to go, our family got to go on vacation. We went to, went to Gatlinburg for a few days, and then we visit up uh, in Madison, Wisconsin, where my wife is from, and, uh, and a little bit of mini staycation time, too. It was good. It was good. Not nearly as restful as I would have hoped, because that is what happens when you have children and a body that's in its 40s. So it's life, whatever, whatever what are you going to do? God redeems it anyway, and I'm glad to be back, to be in the pulpit again, and it's been a while, right? So uh, you're going to be here a while. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> a few people are like, that's funny. The rest are like, is he kidding? See, it's going to be a bit. So um, this, 
this last one is really about the idea that in everything and in all things, God doesn't waste it. God doesn't throw it away. Anybody here discover, walk into, find, maybe even create your own troubles and struggles in life that you did not expect? Anyone? So a few people under 18 are like, nope. <laughs> life is awesome. Good for you. Enjoy it while it lasts. Uh, it'll come. <laughs> it'll get there. Like, it's just life. Life is not fair. That's one of the things Little Glory, my youngest, says all the time. Not fair. Not fair. All the time. It is like her slogan for living. Literally, if you walk into the house with a cup of coffee, not fair. I want Starbucks. Not fair. I want Dunkin'. I'm like, I, I wasn't with you. I, um, and, and something we like to say in our house is, nothing has been fair since the Garden of Eden. Fair is gone. <laughs> but that is life. You will face things, and they will be, some will be awesome, and some will be awful. Marriage at times will not, you're like, what, where's my fairy tale? And you're like, the only fairy tale I have, like, I think he has a tail. That's it. Like, it's just not what you'd hoped, you know? Or how do, they, how do we get in all this financial trouble? How do we get out of it? You know, my kid is awful. I read all the books, and my kid is just the worst. How is that possible? We homeschool. How can my kids be bad? We public school. That's kind of how you know they're bad. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I went to public school, so. <laughs> you, just, you just don't know what's going to happen. You get a sickness. You get a disease. You, you break something. You know, cars break down. We've had, on our vacation, that was part of it. A car broke down leaving town. The other car broke down coming back. Yeah, Right? Not fair. Not fair. <laughs> and yet, in the kingdom of God, none of it is ever wasted. God, matter of fact, God says, give me your waste. Give me your garbage and watch what I do. And I think this is kind of a cool picture of that. Check out this video from a few years ago. This is pretty neat. Norwood's been making things all his life. 
For 25 years, he worked for renowned architect I.M. Pei. I made architecture models and I shot them about 15 people. Working on the east wing of the National Gallery in Washington, the Javits Center in New York, the Kennedy Library in Boston. The Bear in the Moon was one of the last songs I worked on. In retirement, he returned to his office. These self-portraits are from the 1960s. What do you got going up here? That's my old shoes. I had to go up and down a lot of 30 times to get those shoes up in the room. Now 81, he works mostly with garbage. I'm hoping that he didn't smoke all the cigarettes in the cigarette pack. Unfortunately, I did. We will not talk about it. Still a practicing so cool that a guy would take what's garbage and then just make something amazing out of it, right? Make something beautiful and <laughs> turns his home into a museum, a garbage museum. Uh, and yet it's, it's like a revered place now. People want to see this. They want to visit it. Why? It's an example, whether he knows the Lord or not, of that I don't know, but it's a reflection of the creator. That's what God does. And there's a story in Acts, and it's, 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 a, it's a few verses, so you're going to have to hang with me a few minutes. In Acts chapter 5, here's what's happened. The church is now established. The church begun at the day of Pentecost. They're seeing God do awesome things. They're putting things in order. And here's what happens along the way. Pharisees and Sadducees and people in charge get mad, like Shut these guys up. They are going to cause problems. And here's, if you have your Bibles, you can go to it. Acts chapter 5, starting at verse 17. The high priest and his officials, who were Sadducees, filled, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. But an angel of the Lord came at night opened the gates of the jail and brought them out. Then he told them, go to the temple and give the people this message of life. So at daybreak, the apostles entered the temple, as they were told, and immediately began teaching. When the high priests and officials arrived, they convened the high council, the full assembly of the elders of Israel. Then they sent for the apostles to be brought from the jail for trial. But when the temple guards went to the jail, the men were gone. So they returned to the council and reported the jail was securely locked and the guards standing outside. But when we opened the gates, no one was there. When the captain of the temple guard and the leading priests heard this, they were perplexed, wondering where it, all, where it would all end. Then someone arrived with startling news. The men you put in jail are in the temple teaching the people. The captain went with his temple guards and arrested the apostles, but without violence, for they were afraid the people would stone them. Then they brought the apostles before the high council, where the high priest confronted them. We gave you strict orders never again to teach in this man's name. He said, instead, 
you have filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about him, and you want to make us responsible for his death. But Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by hanging him on a cross. Then God put him in the place of his honor at his at his right hand as prince and savior. He did this so the people of Israel would repent of their sins and be forgiven. We're witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, who's given by God to those who obey him. When they heard this, the high council was furious and decided to kill them. But one member, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, Gamaliel, who was an expert in religious law and respected by all the people, stood up and ordered that the men be sent outside the council chamber for a while. He said to his colleagues, men of Israel, take care what you're planning to do to these men. Some time ago, there was a fellow named Theodos who pretended to be someone great. About 400 others joined him, but he was killed, and all his followers went their various ways. The whole movement came to nothing. After him... At the time of the census, there was another, Judas of Galilee. He got people to follow him, but he was killed too, and all his followers were scattered. So my advice is, leave these men alone. Let them go. If they're planning and, if they're planning and doing these things merely on their own, it'll soon be overthrown. But if it's from God, you'll not be able to overthrow them. You may be, even be fighting yourselves fighting against God. The others accepted his advice. They called on the apostles and had them flogged. I love that right there. Like, well, we're going to let them go, but let's beat them up a little bit. <laughs> they ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let him go. The apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer for disgrace for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple from house to house, they continued to teach and preach the message, Jesus is the Messiah. Long story I know, hang with me. So there's, there's a few things I want to draw from this. Number one, God is sovereign over the things we want to avoid. Say it again. God is sovereign over the things we want to avoid. Nobody in here wants to suffer. But I'll look at those verses along that way. Verses 18 to 20. They arrested them. An angel let them out. Verse 26. They arrested them, but without violence. Verse 33 and 34. Furious and decided to kill them. But one member, Gamaliel, do you see what happened over and over in one section of Scripture? Their life is on the line. Shut up. We're going to put you in jail. Shut up. We're going to put you in jail. That's it. I'm going to kill you. And every single time, God's like, nope, nope, nope. I'm not done. God, sovereign. What does sovereign mean? God's power is over everything. You will not breathe one more breath than God has ordained you to breathe, and you will not lose one more breath than God has ordained you to have. Now, we have trouble with that because we're Americans. <laughs> and we think, I'm in charge of my own destiny. 
I make all my decisions. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps, etc. Now, has anybody here spent time in any other country? Put your hand up. Okay, keep your hands up. Keep them up. Does anybody with their hands up know the rest of the world doesn't look at the world like America does? Right? <laughs> yeah. Does anybody else know we, you may not be in control of your own destiny entirely? Yeah. Yeah. And if you're like, no, MAGA, all right, chill out. <laughs> Hang on. It's not a bad thing. There's a wonderful side to America as far as the individuality and the freedom and the joy. I think God ordained much of that. But we're human, and there's a negative side to everything. Our sin infects everything. You know, if you went to Europe, everybody doesn't air their opinions like we do here. Okay? People are nicer, calmer, quieter. Jason's Canadian, right? No, nobody posts everything they think on Facebook like we do, right? You guys are nicer in Canada as a rule, right? <laughs> They're just well, you're 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 more polite. Okay, we'll say it that way. <laughs> they were arrested because of direct disobedience. They're put in jail. You can't share Jesus. For the disciples, that wasn't even a thought because they saw and knew a resurrected Savior. So there was like, there is no way you're going to stop us. The moment they're released, they're flogged, they're warned, they're let out, and they're like, all right, let's get back to work. And wasn't that awesome? We just got beat for Jesus. Woo! <laughs> we would never think that now. We would be like, you know, maybe you need to stop and assess yourself. Maybe you should get some counseling and maybe you just need to not be so offensive. Maybe you're a toxic person. Stop. That's how we think now. Now look, it is not Christian's job to go looking for a fight. That's not our job. I've seen a guy walking around, walking around um, Lockport at times. I don't know who he is. I don't know his name. I don't know anything about him. But he's wearing a very... Like blazing Confederate flag. And I'm like, that's kind of a bold move, Cotton. <laughs> like, what, what, what are you thinking there? I don't know what's going through his head. But I don't think it's a lot, right? He is somewhere along the way, maybe intentionally, he is looking for a fight. That's not our job. Okay? It's not our job. It is our job to boldly, unashamedly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? Here's, here's a good example. How many people, don't raise your hand, have been teachers and like, well, I can't, I can't teach in the school about Jesus. Matter of fact, I heard a missionary once say to a group of Christians, he said, when they told you you couldn't preach in schools anymore, why'd you stop? Why? Because the law, we just read, we obey God's laws first, not man's. Now again, you don't go into the school with your Jesus flag and you're waving it and you're handing Bibles to every kid in the class that walks in. I mean, you can, you won't be there long, okay? But 
the, the, the ashamedness to say, I, I can't talk about it at all. I can't say anything. That's garbage. Share your faith. Pastor Brian, I could get fired. All right, he's got you. Don't, don't try and find ways to get fired in Jesus' name. Like, that's not the goal. But don't run from it. He's got you. Whatever your field, lawyer, doctor, whatever, talk about Jesus. Talk about him. He's sovereign over it. We want to avoid it, but he's sovereign over it. Let me give you some personal application. We will suffer for the gospel, right? So in the last year, in the last four or five months, we had somebody who basically sent, and, and I'm not going to name names and they're not here anymore, but somebody basically sent a group message very much threatening the safety of our church. So much so we had to have the police here one Sunday. And we had to report it to the police. Stunk. You know what came of it? Well, the person who did it actually ended up getting kind of restored and their life is in a much better place and they're doing well and God used it to kind of, I think, get a hold of them. He also used it to help us get emboldened, right? To say, you know what? We're not backing down on Jesus. And then if not that long ago, uh, I posted something that a lot of people pounced on. And then I was a little concerned about, just very mildly concerned about safety. They're like, what are these people? But here's the thing. And, and then there was maybe one or two others who were like, what about our safety? Here's the thing. We don't run to fights. But as Christians, we also shouldn't run from them. The church has become quite weak in the Western world. We're always looking for safe for the whole family. Christian radio of songs that a lot of times we don't like, but it's what's on, so we got to listen to it. You know what we don't sing songs about? I got flogged in Jesus' name. Like, we don't sing that song because nobody wants that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That goes on in North Korea, not here. There's another story of a missionary who went to China and began to pray over this underground church meeting. And as he prays over this underground church meeting in China, saying, God, would you free up this nation so they could freely worship? And, and, and at least one, if not several, interrupted and said, no, 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 no. Stop praying that. Stop praying that prayer. In the prayer meeting. I have been interrupted. Like It's not fun to be called out in a prayer meeting of a thing you're praying. And he's being called out by the Chinese Christians. And they said, no. You Christians in America, everything is gray. We don't want that. We love Jesus. We don't want to become like you. They're driving. They're riding in train rides two to four hours to go to a prayer meeting. No sound system, by the way. No cool gym, right? <laughs> None of that. Because they can't. Because they love Jesus so much. And they know he's sovereign. None of us want to suffer. I'm not saying run to suffering. But we should begin to at least change our mindset that says, 
Maybe I don't need to run from this. And maybe, just maybe, God might be in the suffering. Look at the New Testament, Matthew 5.10, 2 Timothy 3.12, John 15.18, Luke 16.22. These are all verses that promise suffering and persecution, all of them. I'll just read one, 2 Timothy. Yes, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will face persecution. We say, well, uh, that's true, you know. Well, that can happen sometimes, especially in foreign nations. You know what it doesn't say? Except America, because freedom of religion, they can't do that to you here. It doesn't say that. <laughs> We're not in there, actually. It just says that it's going to happen. It's coming. You know, the Bible talks about the wheat and the chaff, okay? If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's talking about harvest time, and ultimately, it's talking about the end times, when Jesus comes back for his church. But here's the thing about wheat and chaff, okay? They grow together until they can be harvested. Chaff is basically the throwaway plant. You can't keep it. Wheat's the thing you can keep and eat. And chaff is the thing that looks like wheat, but it's garbage. You got to throw it out. You got to burn it. It's, it's good for nothing. But here's the problem. Wheat and chaff, some people have asked farmers, well, why don't you just destroy the chaff? Like, get it out of there or weed it out? Because here's the problem. They have to grow together. Because one, the chaff, the chaff actually helps make the wheat better and stronger. But not only that, if you take out the chaff, you'll destroy the wheat. You have to wait till the end when it's harvest time to separate them. And it's an example that the evil and the good in God's kingdom will grow together simultaneously. The evil's going to get a lot worse, but the kingdom of God is going to get even better and better. The church is going to get better. It gets... probably won't get easier though we need to get full circle though that says like the disciples man I got to suffer for Jesus namesake that is awesome look what I went come on look what I got to you know what well, we get mad at those people we point the finger at each other instead of saying Hey, the world's going to be the world, and they're going to hate us. But way to go, man. Way to take a stand. Way to be bold for Jesus. That's a tough one. It's not our job to pick fights. We're not trying to. But it's also not our job to run. We don't want to suffer. We don't, we don't want to struggle. But we've got to begin to trust Jesus with the things we want to avoid. And maybe even walk towards them instead of run from them or get around them. Again, it's not our job on social media or elsewhere to, to pick fights. That's not the goal. But the, if you want to follow Jesus in this day, in this time, you will face opposition. If you're like, well, I, I'm not political, so I don't. If you don't think politics is encroached on pretty much every arena of our lives... You are deceived. And much of those arena are in direct opposition with a biblical, faithful orthodoxy to walk with Jesus. They're just opposed. And that's tough. I know it's not easy to hear. But that means you're going to suffer. But here's good news. The God who can take us out 
is also the God who can keep us in. Do you believe that? Some of you have probably had close calls with death. And you're still here. Why? Well, because I had a good doctor. Well, because I, I, you know, I had a good diet. <laughs> well, because I ran, you know, so many times a day. Well, because, you know, I... It's because God has his hand on your life. And he is sovereign over it. God can... God can keep you from prison. He can also get you out of it. God can keep you safe from harm, and he can also heal you from it. God can keep you from death, or he can resurrect you, or he can take you into his kingdom. He is sovereign over all of that. And we have to, if we lived and believed a little more like that, we'd be quite a bit more bold and quite a bit more at peace. If I believe God is in control, that he is God, and devil, you can't touch me unless God allows it. And then if he does, something's going to happen from it. So let's not make the mistake or make theologies that says we won't face persecution. Are we facing persecution like China or North Korea? No, thank you, Jesus. But if you think it's not coming, I think you might be fooled. Now, can God move in our land and, and, and bring, a, bring a resurrection and, a, and an awakening so that we kind of restore the foundations of freedom of religion and freedom of speech and a morality? He can. I hope he does. But you need to also know, look at where we are now. Every time this country's had a great awakening, sin eventually came back in and took hold at some point. We've read the end of the book. It ends awesome, but there's a lot of not awesome till the end. But here's the good news. Another one, God moves in things we want to indict. God moves in things we want to indict, in things we're like, that's bad, that's wrong, I don't want anything to do it. Gamaliel steps in and he says, hey, listen up, guys. Before you try and kill these guys, you just need to ask yourself, what if you're wrong? What if, what, if, what if God is in it? Now here's a neat, kind of cool Bible tie-in. Gamaliel is the Pharisee who is the teacher to Paul. But at that time, his name was Saul. If you go in your Bibles, Acts, uh, I think it's, it's 22, verse 3. It says, Paul, this is Paul talking, I'm a Jew born in Tarsus, a city in Sicilia, and I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. As a student, I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs. I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did, just like all of you. The Bible's showing us something. Saul is underneath this guy Gamaliel, and earlier Gamaliel's the guy who God uses to step in and say, hey, hey, don't kill these guys. What if God's in it? What if the very guys you want to indict, God is on? Because if not, it'll come to nothing. But if it's God, you can't even stop it. We do this in the church a lot. 
An interesting story about Saul, right? Saul eventually becomes another guy who wants to kill Christians. But yet you see what Gamaliel's teaching, Gamaliel's teaching is, which means Saul veered off the path of Gamaliel too. Till God steps in his path and makes him Paul and says, hey, this is me. I'm doing this. And Saul becomes Paul and he becomes one of the biggest leaders in the church, writes a third of the New Testament, right? God does all these things. We need to become a people who are much more willing to test things than we are to criticize them. As a matter of fact, I got a list of scriptures where the Bible talks about test these things. These are all scriptures about test these things. Test them. Check them out. And as Christians, what we tend to do, what we tend to indict, what we tend to put down is, is we tend to either criticize it all or just jump right in. We're one or the other. Like, that's not God. That's completely God. The reformers are like the guys who are really good at criticizing everything. Asbury Revival, oh, terrible. Oh, a bunch of heresy. These guys are the worst. And then there's the charismatics who are like, everything is great. All the things, all the time, everywhere. Dance in the river. Right? And the thing is, the Bible teaches us, just test everything. Catch the pulse. Is this the Lord? Weigh it against the word. Is God in it? Maybe you're going through something terrible. Have you asked God, are you in this? Instead of saying, God, I curse him, I drive it out, I will be delivered and you shall smote my enemies. Right? <laughs> Instead of saying that, like, God, are you, are you in this? Are, are you trying to teach me something? Can you use this somehow? What are you trying to do in me? Don't get me wrong. God being sovereign doesn't mean causality. Bad things don't mean God. A God who's in control doesn't mean there's a God who caused them all. It means a God who's over them all. This world has fallen. Broken stuff happens all day, every day across the globe. God didn't cause it, but he is in control. And even those awful things he will use for his glory if we hang in there long enough instead of indicting it all. I had a great, uh, great person say to me once, they're like, it's a human frailty that we always need to explain or blame. We all do it. It's their fault. This is why. We're all great pop psychologists now. Well, you know their mom once went out for coffee and left them at the house when they were eight. So that's why they robbed 12 banks. So just figured it out. That's not God. God's not in that. God may be the one saying, why don't we test this thing? Check it out. Who here is a coffee fan? Anybody? Big coffee fan. Daniel, come on up. If I told you this is a brand new Dunkin', I got it hot just for you. Would you want it? Yeah. All right. All right. And I would give it to you. But what if I spit in it? <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> All right. 
What if it's not coffee at all? What if it's dirty brown water? What if it's intelligentsia, like the best coffee in Chicagoland? You don't know. Because the package may look good and be what you want, but you don't know what's in it. What do you got to do? You're going to have to test it out. You're going to have to check it out. This is actually my coffee, and you can't have it. But you can go sit down. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Daniel. And I didn't spit in it, but probably some got in there at some point. So we, but we don't tend to do that. It's like, give it to me, or no, I want none of it. Oh, that's, that's the type of ch- church I'll go to. I want none of that. None of that over there. What if we could receive from a lot of different streams? There are people who are like, well, you can't be Jesus. You can't follow Jesus and be Catholic. Man, I could introduce you to some people that would, you would, would upend your theology, who love Jesus with an incredible passion and walk with him f- more faithfully than we do. And they, they, go to, they go to Mass. Matter of fact, one of my dear friends who passed away a few years ago got saved during the Jesus movement on the Wisconsin, UW-Wisconsin campus in the basement of the Catholic Church on the UW campus, 150 college students who are Catholic praying in tongues every night of the week. Fast forward, he became an elder in the church I was in, a church like ours, but he still went to Mass every day. How is that possible? Because it's Jesus. You say, well, their theology, for some, not all. Right? Has anybody known somebody in our type of church who maybe wasn't following Jesus? Don't point. Right? Because the same thing can happen. We shouldn't be quick to indict everything. We should also be wise to test it. To say, is it God? I think the Asbury Revival was amazing. I wish I could have gone. Personally. If you don't know what it is, you can look it up. It's kind of already passed away. But here's the thing. The wind of the Spirit comes at times. And when it comes, enjoy it for as long as it's here. And then the wind passes. It's awesome. Some of you have said no to the things of the Holy Spirit in your life because you indict everything when it comes to that. And you indict everything based on one or two or three instances that you don't like. I would tell you even in those instances, you don't know everything that's been going on. There's some people like, nothing from Bethel. Man, I know some great faithful people at Bethel who I think the world of. And we sing a lot of their songs. And then there's some things that happen there that I'm like, that's pretty weird. I don't like that. You know what, though? I could take you to John MacArthur's church and tell you some of the same stuff. There's some same stuff there that I'm like, that's pretty weird. I don't like that. You know what? Sometimes I do some weird stuff. I don't like that. Test the spirit. Be wise. Gamaliel's wise. He's mentioned in the Bible twice. And it's not in negative light. So do I know if Gamaliel came to walk with Jesus? I don't know that. We don't, the Bible doesn't tell us that. 
But it does make a point that God uses him. I have a feeling Gamaliel was somebody who's like, I genuinely want to know this God, Jehovah. I want to know him. I think Saul was on that road. And then I think he got diverted with the passions of the day. The good news is, God can use and do things. The, the takeaway from this, God can use and do things in the most unlikely, passed over people and places. I'm going to tell you what, I am an example of that. I became a worship leader for many years. I toured with a band. I, I, I led worship in a, in a good-sized church. I, I recorded songs. You know what? My pastor told me the best I could ever do is be a worship leader sound man. You know what? I, I, don't, have a, I don't have a voice that'll win the voice. I'm good with that. I'm okay with it. <laughs> I don't, I'm not trying to. But I worked on it, God raised me up, and he put me somewhere where other people passed me over. Some of you are like that. You've indicted yourself. Or you let others indict, God can't use me like that. Now look, if you're like, I can't sing, Pastor Brian's telling me I'm supposed to though. How old are you? I'm 89, maybe let it go. But (laughs) that's between you and Jesus, I'm not calling you out. There, we have gifts and, and talents and things we can and can't do, all right? I'm never playing in the NBA. It's never going to happen. That is not a gift and a talent that's going to come my way. I've made my peace with it. Well, God can do it, Pastor Brian. He could. I don't think so. <laughs> if he does, it would be an amazing thing. I'd be happy about a lot of other things that were the benefits of that than the NBA, right? He can. But what I would tell you What I would say, God changes lives in the most amazing places and things and times. And we're so quick to indict it sometimes. I'm going to say something, and I don't mean to throw him on the bus, because God's used him. He's he's, even attended here for a while. But when I first, before we ever even opened this church, I met with the mayor. And you know what he said to me? We don't need another church in Lockport. Find something else. Please don't come here. Now, that being said, he helped us find places to go. He was there for us. He attended Thrive for a couple years. So I, I don't want you to think, like, what a terrible person. Just, we can miss God and be quick to indict things that aren't our agenda. We can be critical. But we can also be too comfortable with everything. And the Lord would say, test it and be wise. Don't be critical. Just think critically. See the difference? And it's okay if we have differences of opinion on some things. Right? The open hand, close hand. Everybody do this. Close one, open one. This is the stuff we don't move on. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Lived a sinless life, born of a virgin. Right? Rose again. The Bible is the word of God. We don't move on this. This, this is, I'm going to break out flags, or I only sing from a hymnal. It's an open-handed issue. 
It's not this. Now, for some of you, it is this. And I would tell you, it's not. Okay? But if it's your preference, and we're, that is okay. It's okay to say we're just different. There's churches around us where you have to wear the suit. You have to wear the dress. You can't cut your hair. And they faithfully love Jesus. And, and, and they're not that comfortable. <laughs> like, it's just what it is. We're comfortable. But we're light. You know, like, whatever. And that's okay. The things, there's some things we test. We test a lot of things. Okay, but we don't criticize everything. There's a lot of things. Has anybody ever learned in marriage, sometimes it's not right and wrong, it's just different? How many times have we learned, is it better to be right or is it better to be restored in relationship? It's so much, I would say it's even more true in the church. Some of you have strong feelings about things like Halloween. And some of you are like, I like to dress up like Satan every year. I would tell you, let's talk, but, but here's the thing. Some of, this, some of that stuff's closed-handed, some of it's open-handed. Don't indict other Christians based on your views all the time. Still love them. You can, you can radically disagree on some things and still love your brothers and sisters. I radically disagree with a guy like John MacArthur, who's a legendary pastor on the things of the Spirit. I radically disagree. I think he is in a full-on deception, and he's led others in that deception. And I also think he's a faithful, amazing brother in Christ who has great insight to the Word, is an incredible teacher and brother in the faith. See what I mean? There are things we just don't know, and we're quick to indict. A lot of people blast Joel Osteen, and I get it, because I'm not a fan. I don't listen to him. Do you guys also know he doesn't collect a paycheck from his church? And he gives it all back to the ministry, and his church pays for his brother to be a full-time doctor in Africa and treat people for free. Bet you didn't know that. I can't stand Creflo Dollar. Not a fan. Multiple private jets, raise a lot of money. Also has a huge prison ministry, helping guys come out of prison, get out of gang lifestyle. It's hard to hear, isn't it? We're so quick to indict. We're so quick to criticize. I'm guilty. Say, well, they have giant mansions. They do. Kenneth Copeland. Everybody, everybody here know who Kenneth Copeland is? Word of faith guy. A lot of people can't stand him. And he's done a few things over the years. He was the guy who was like, we get rid of Corona. <sighs> he was on TV doing that. It was weird. <laughs> Here's what you don't know. Glenn Beck called him up and said when Afghanistan was being basically given over to the Taliban uh, as we exited out of the country, you know what Kenneth Copeland did? He gave his private jets to Glenn Beck to save as many people as he could. Just use it to save people. And he did. Let's just not be quick to indict. We don't know. God could be doing things that we have no clue. Now look, it's still our job to be faithful, right? Say, well, okay, well, God's using it then. And there's a balance there, right? Because God using it would be like the Christian way of saying, 
um, the ends justify the means. No, that's not okay. We're still our job to be faithful, okay, and be as holistic and walking with Jesus as we can be. But at the same time, let's not indict everything. God can be in a lot of things that we don't see. And that's awesome. It's beautiful. Aren't we so glad that we aren't the judge on the other side of heaven? Man, I'm so glad I'm not the judge. I'd be a terrible judge. We're so good at it. We're so good at criticizing one another. We limit God when we say what God can't do. I don't ever be, besides, we know God can't lie. I'm not talking about things that are in direct opposition. But as a rule, I don't want to say, well, God can't do that. Is that really a spot we want to be in? You can't do that, God. I don't think so. (laughs) Nope. We have our streams. We have our things we like. But God can do a lot of things. You guys have all met Scott Hinkle. God's used him all over the world. He's an awesome man of God. He was a heroin addict, kicked out of the state of New Jersey, and at a hot dog stand on the side of the road in rural Kansas, somebody led him to Christ. And that man has led and helped others lead hundreds, thousands of people on the streets of New Orleans and across the globe to Jesus. From one guy at a hot dog stand in rural Kansas saying, I'm going to share my faith, and none of us knew about it, but heaven knew that day. Some of us could be like, why are you talking to people Jesus, about Jesus all the time? Man, don't indict it. You have no clue what God's doing. It could be awesome. All right, lastly, God honors the very things we want to abandon. They left rejoicing over being flogged and being told to shut up and we're going to kill you. They rejoiced over that. We, it's kind of like this. Today, most, most American, it's, it's fair to say most people who served our country, right, and numerous of you have, it's an honor to take that fire for the sake of fighting for people's freedom. That should be our mindset when it comes to suffering for Jesus Christ's sake. If I take fire for you, Jesus, man, that is awesome. It is my honor. I haven't thought that way in a while. You want to know why? Because I got comfortable. And then something happens where you're like, somebody just comes after you, or they try to fire you, or they say awful things about you, or they, or they, or they you know, say you can't come to a family event, or whatever. Welcome to the faith. You're actually in good company, and the Lord honors you. The Lord honors your stand where you're lonely and it's hurt where you stood for truth and nobody else did. But you didn't stand alone. Angel armies stood beside you and said, way to go. I'm proud of you. Well done. I'm not talking about being truth words or like, I'm thinking of that person in my life and I'm going to go, let them have it. No, 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 no. (laughs) That's not it. 
I'm talking about living the message of Jesus to the world. Worship team, you can come on up. And saying, I'm going to live it. And if, it, if I get blowback, I'm not going to hit back. Because my war isn't against flesh and blood. It's not against people. But I won't be ashamed. And I won't be afraid. You know, over the last few years, just being a pastor, being a leader, man, I have, I have taken the names. I've, been, I've taken the hits. During Corona, somebody called me a murderer. I've had people say I was a white Christian nationalist, and I was like, well, two out of three. <laughs> a, a, a racist, some kind of phobe, fill in the blank. Because now it can be whatever folk you want it to be. And at some point, you're going to have to determine. I could apologize all over myself and fall all over myself. I'm so sorry, and that's not. And you know what? Do I want anyone to think that? Of course not. Because none of those things are true. They're all lies. But the Bible's very clear in Revelation. It says who the accuser is. And it's not them. It's the enemy. It's the devil. Trying to shut us up and minimize us so that we don't share the gospel. What were the Pharisees saying? You're trying to start a riot. You're trying to destroy our nation. You're trying to do... They're lying. They're the accuser. The Pharisees, this isn't new. this. If you realize this, you're like, man, I'm not like the New Testament church. I don't have that kind of boldness. I don't have that kind of bravery. I don't, I'm not like that. I'm going to blow your mind right now. Paul is not alive right now. Peter and John are not alive right now. John is not alive right now. Although we don't really know because we never found him, but... <laughs> you are, which means you were appointed for this time. They weren't. You were. We're in weird days. I didn't, we're in like this crossover time where basically we're moving from like from, from post-modern to post-Christian to almost anti-Christian. You have Muslims come in arm in arm with like Republicans and conservatives saying I don't agree with them either so maybe I'm with you strange days the Mormon church recently affirmed LGBTQ stuff wait these are strange days it's cocaine in the White House strange days it's a weird time you have two prominent democratic nominees one one who who's our current president who basically tried to force the country to get vaccinated and then and then another guy saying let's throw them all out these are weird days it's just weird and the guys on the other side is like an orange guy. It's weird. These are strange times. 
Anybody here in the last three years, when you were doing something to follow Jesus faithfully, faced any kind of hostility? Put your hand up. You don't have to tell, I'm not going to ask you to tell your story. Just maybe you came to church. Maybe you posted something. Maybe you shared at work. No, put your hand up. Keep it up. Just keep it up for a minute. We're going to suffer for the gospel. Keep your hand up. Put it all the way up. All the way in the sky. Anybody here, a little further, maybe your family or your friends got mad at you because you didn't, you didn't wear this or you didn't go there or you shouldn't have gone there or you did this. Anybody else? Put your hand up. You say, well, that's not real persecution, Pastor Brian. I would tell you the enemy's lying to you so that you, you think you're a less than Christian. Yes, it is. You're right. It's, thank God it's not suffering like we would suffer in a communist nation for the gospel. You're right. It's not that kind of suffering. Thank God. But it still hurts. It still stings. Because you love those people. And you know that you want them to know Jesus. And you're not trying to hurt them. Okay, put your hands down. We could all stand up and share our stories of somebody who came against us. People who were cruel, mean, angry, divisive. Maybe we misstepped and we didn't share it well. We delivered the mail with a brick attached to it instead of, instead of with a handshake. But God knows. And what I would tell you is God can honor those things. He bestows honor upon you when you suffer. He promises he won't leave you. And that his, he will always be good to you, even when life isn't. Do we believe it? That it gets better, though. Because I've got Jesus. I will admit, I doubt it far too often. I will get to the place where I'm like, I, I know I say you're good, God. I know I preach it, but do I believe it? You're faithful. I say it. I preach it. Do I believe it? I'm hurt, God. They, they hurt me. They, that was cruel. That was mean. And here's the better part. Then, then we turn on each other. Like, oh, the world came against you. So therefore, you did something wrong. Instead of the church coming around one another saying, let me help you. I got you. I'm with you. To be fair, people did. I want to honor them. Guys like like Robert did. Guys like Dave did. Just men of God are like, hey, man, I got your back. The church is still a pretty great place and great people. And the gospel is still true. And the world may be changing, but the good news is, Jesus isn't. The gospel still works. Holy Spirit's still on the move. God is still good. And he holds tomorrow. Let's stand together. I know it went a little long today. Thank you for enduring. It's been a few weeks since I preached, so I got a lot. Am I still on? There we go. I'm going to pray, 
and then the worship team will play. You can stay and worship for a few minutes if you want. You're free to go. But I want to go. I want to leave in the spirit that says, you know what, Lord? I want to be willing to suffer. I, I'm not running to suffering. But if I do, if I suffer for your namesake, help me not just put my chin up and smile. That's not what I'm talking about. Help me see you in it and encounter you and figure out how to count it for joy. That's what the Bible says. Count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. It doesn't say when they imprison you for the gospel. When you face trials of many kinds, suffering, hardship, pain, financial distress, struggle, mold, whatever. <laughs> Count it joy. You know what it's saying? Figure out, number it out, how God is moving in this, what he's doing. Count it up, devise it, create the spreadsheet of what is God doing? How is he using this? How is he changing me? And like, oh my God, you, you're so good. I see you here and, and you move here and you're doing this and you put that together and you're putting this in place and, and you're changing this in me. I'm counting up the things of joy that you're doing and what the enemy is trying to destroy me with. I'm going to do it. You won't waste it. I don't understand it. But I know you won't waste it, and I will count out the joy. I'll figure it out. Father, thank you for today. I know there's people struggling all across the room today. They're struggling with where am I going to live? What's going to happen with this situation? God, help my marriage. It's not where I'd like it to be. Help me with my kids, God. They're not on the road, although I want to see them on, and they're not becoming the people I'm praying so hard they become. God, help me with this drug addiction. I can't break it. God, help me with my attitude. I can't overcome my depression. It is consuming me. God, help me be like you. Help me with this physical ailment. It, it, it is so heavy at times. It consumes my thoughts and my mind. The fear is like an iron grip. But God, you are God. Turn it in me. I'm done indicting my problems. And I'm saying I cast my anxiety on you. Take it, God. I'm giving you my pain and my struggles. And I'm saying help me to count the joy up that you're in it and you're not wasting it and you're resurrecting things all over the place in my heart and my mind. That I don't have to avoid it. You're going to honor me. You are honoring me. As a matter of fact, if I suffer, you're smiling over me. You're saying I counted you worthy to walk through this. He called you up to the responsibility. He didn't throw you to the side in this situation. He called you up to it, saying, you, this fire is meant for you. Well, watch what I'm going to do. A captain elevates somebody to the responsibility he believes them to be able to be, live out. And that is what the Lord is doing in your life. I know we don't always like it. I know we're like, God, I want, I want the promotion with the blessings and the pay, not the responsibility and the pain. 
where the Lord would say, no, that's not how it works, but it's going to be good. It gets, let us live it, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10. See